podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of East Meets West. Probably the biggest episode that we record each year for East Meets West. You know, you could also kind of argue the G1 Climax, but this is genuinely the WrestleMania of New Japan. So this will be the biggest and probably one of the longer shows that we do for East Meets West. And if you're a regular listener to East Meets West, well, then, you know, that's saying something. Because we have not one, not two, but three nights of Wrestle Kingdom to talk about. And joining me to break it all down and probably give Gato some shit for some booking decisions is the one and only Grant McGrovey. Hello, pleasure to be back. You know, first big show of the year. And yeah, you're right. We have a lot to cover. (laughs) We do have a lot to cover. But before we get to that, we have to do the usual housekeeping. and remind you to follow uh, Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Suplex. Join the Facebook community page. Keep up to date with everything that's going on. Chat with other members of the podcast and other wrestling fans. Take part in Campbell's question, and your answer will be read out every week on Central, which comes out on Thursdays on the Suplex Retreat podcast and feed. Much like this show comes out on every so often, usually on a Sunday. Our feature shows every Tuesday, Saturday Draft Live every Saturday on the podcast feed, and also on YouTube, also on Sunday, so later on this evening. So. If you're, you can listen to this and then for your viewing pleasure later on tonight, you'll have Quiz Showdown X8. Let's get ready to fumble the next installment of Quiz Showdown and the fourth annual Royal Rumble quiz with Sarah Reeve defending the championship against myself and some kind of worthy challengers. It'll be a hell of a time. And Daniel Campbell's actually stepping out from behind the hosting chair and you know putting his money where his mouth is. So if you want to see how he gets on, you'll have to tune in tonight to quiz showdown but all that's out of the way I should also mention that recording this maybe a week later than we would have liked and that's because with the third night they had a weird set with it being available on traditional kind of pay-per-view in Japan and internationally but given the card we didn't really want we didn't feel warranted you know spending extra money when it was going to be available on you know New Japan which we both pay separate subscriptions for anyway and I think Grant will agree while enjoyable for a reasonable breakdown later I think it was, you know, I was, I think it turned out to be the right decision to wait that extra week rather than shell the extra money. Yeah, the the extra week wait wasn't the worst thing in the world. And in all honesty, from people that I know that did pay the money to go and watch it live, they had a power cut in the middle of it. They had a lot of technical issues. The ticketing system wasn't very clear. So, yeah, totally worth not just going straight for it. <laughs> Yeah, like they didn't even, I didn't even see the power cut on the New Japan World version. I think they seem to have edited it out because Kevin Kelly makes reference to it. Like during one of the House of Torture matches, he said, Why couldn't we have had a power cut during this match? Uh, 
but we never I never saw the, that that part. And then uh, you watch the pre-show version, which they usually put in one, but usually, you know, in a big show, they put a bit of uh, intermission and adverts in between, and then you go into it, but no, it just flowed right into it. So you got a much you got a good and a good hour shaved off if you waited a week. Aye, no, no sort of beating around the bush, just straight into it. And you know, I say it wasn't the worst show. It could have been better to me. Um, but yeah, too many tags. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too many tag team matches. Oh, well, albeit some entertaining ones, and we'll get to that later on. But we need to talk about the first two nights with the ones where you know real stories developed, and you know there are matches that help set the tone for stories of growth in its coming and indeed the rest of the calendar year for New Japan Pro Wrestling. But Grant, I think uh, the fair sentiment from New Japan fans, especially ourselves, because we were talking about this before we recorded, that if you some you know, very, very minor and easy to make changes and you could have easily done this show over one night. So I think it was the least deserving to be over multiple nights than of the other two um, multiple night WrestleCanons we've had so far. Yeah, I mean, this is the third multi-night Wrestle Kingdom and uh, yeah, the least deserving. I think last year's one was well-deserving because despite being two nights, card placement, card position, everything was very well done. But I feel that the first year and this year in particular suffered from majorly over overloading and bloating the card with matches which did not need to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... There's an argument to me that the one thing that really needed two nights was the whole thing with the undisputed IWGP Championship storyline. But again, making it a triple threat could have solved that, even though it's not a very traditional New Japan thing to do. You did have a triple threat on the undercard of night two for the tag team, the junior tag team title, so you could easily made some switches there and you know cut out some of the, the random tag team matches. But speaking of that IWGP World Title. Uh, we had the main event of night one of Okada, who by right, you know, winning the G1, got his tail shot against IWGP World Champion Shingo Takagi. And then the, you know, the Ric Flair of New Japan at the minute, uh, Will Ospreay coming in as the real world champion to his claim and saying that he wanted the main event wrestling kind of Mr. Champion. So the winner of that match would go on to face him. And in the end, Okada would have would stand tall uh, across both nights, holding the IWGP World Championship. And fittingly, at the end of the first match with Shingo Takagi, seemingly laying the old version of the belt down and kind of laying it to rest and not you know, trying to bring it back as some you know, loyal New Japan fans maybe wanted him to. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, like the, the mains in both nights were fantastic. Um, I'm still really annoyed that, to an extent that he, like, he made such a big deal of bringing back the old belt to win a match for the new one and then retire and be like, Okay, I got what I wanted. I wouldn't be a little bitch about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have kind of been annoyed if he actually brought the old, old one back because while it's a great design, like, it then would negate the point of having the new one in the first place. And I think the idea of it is that he's got what he wanted, like you said, and the idea of maybe if Okada then accepts that, acknowledges and wears the new version proudly, then maybe it'll coax some people who are still against this design around a bit if Okada is okay with it. Aye, definitely. I, th- I think you're you're nailing it right in the head there. Um, I, f- I feel it was just it's been totally unnecessary bringing back the old belt, and you know you will go to the fan base, and there's a huge divide about it. A lot of people do not like the new belt. I'm one of the the minority. I absolutely love the new belt. I felt Shingo made it look brilliant, and you know, Okada may have it now, but 
I'll accept it. I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bitch about it probably in a couple of months' time. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're not going to dump it onto like Stephen Wilson levels, you know, because you know, these matches were, were excellent. I just do want to say, you know, sometimes belts look great on some people more than they do others. And of the three people involved in this thing for the, the new version of the IWGP world title, I think it looks the strangest on Okada. It just looks a bit smaller, weirdly, around his waist, maybe because we're used to seeing him carry the big version. But maybe over time it'll look better because, you know, Okada, when he gets a belt, he fucking clings to it for dear life. There's no such thing as a short Okada reign. I'm actually trying to remember what the shortest Okada reign is. But, you know, Wilson can shit on Okada all he wants. There is both nights Okada had great matches. And I'm sorry, but you cannot claim that everyone else carries Okada. The, the math just does not does not add up. So, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Wilson, you're fucking wrong. Because <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm sure he's listening to this. You know, and if you are Stephen, go fuck yourself. But having said that, <laughs> looking at these two matches, I don't know about you, but personally, I think I prefer the shingle match to touch more than uh, the Will Osprey match. You know, I think Okada and Will have faced off numerous times. They they rarely, if ever, have a bad match, and you know, it feels more like I could kind of see the idea of them having this match on night two coming when we did our preview because they were meant to have a Tokyo Dome match uh, in mid-2021, but injuries and such kind of put a stop to that. I think maybe it was because, you know, I was so invested in wanting Shingo to win uh, on night one and I was a devoid spoiler for night one because I watched it a bit later in the evening on January 4th, so I didn't know that Okada won. So right up until the end, I was you know, still rooting for Shingo. I think part of me, because we discussed in the preview that Osprey was nowhere to be found on the third night of wrestling when they faced pro wrestling, no one you'd think they'd want the IWGP champion, you know, front and centre representing the company. It kind of made me clear, like, uh, all signs are pointing to an Okada victory here. So there wasn't as much of a surprise to him walking on top as there was when he pinned Shingo. Yeah. I think the, the odds were against Shingo right from the get-go, despite the fact that we both backed him. We both wanted Shingo to come through both nights with that belt because he has been a fantastic champion um, throughout the pandemic. He's really stepped up. Just they decided it wasn't his time. So, yeah, I think when Okada won it, and it's proper Rainmaker Okada, they pretty much book Rainmaker Okada the same way WWE book Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Not, nothing can stop him. Like To stop him, he needs to have an off day and they don't do it very often so it was it, it, it kind of takes an element of surprise out of the two nights you know there was no whereas like previous years like for example we had like when we, had, like when we finally had the unification of the two belts mm-hmm. you kind of had the surprise element of who wins the intercontinental who wins the heavyweight oh we've got a match we don't expect who's going to win that this one it kind of felt like I, I looked at it as a case of if Okada wins the first night he's winning both but if Shingo wins night one it's up in the air it's a 50-50 mm-hmm. yeah and we actually see where Shingo really goes for here because he was in a, like a six man on the pre-show in night two which we didn't have enough matches uh, on both nights they said oh the pre-show match for you know, night two of us will be a surprise you won't know about it until the day of they decided to add three just random tag matches on the pre-show for night two as if we didn't have enough to get through. See, I, I double-checked the amount of matches and this is where I can definitely say it's a problem with volume. Um, 
two years ago when we had our first two-night Wrestle Kingdom, we got 19 matches. Mm-hmm. That is a lot. And don't get me wrong, we love our wrestling. Really fucking do, but 19 <laughs> matches is a lot. Then we went to last year. It was 15 matches when you include pre-show stuff, because I'm including pre-show in both, on all these counts. Yeah, yeah. And then you hit this year. 20. 20 fucking matches. That just nights one and two. <laughs> yeah, like, like that. And that's just nights one and two. So we had like one pre-show, which was the Ramble mm-hmm. on night one. But on night two, we had three six-man tags, of which only one of them had any real relevance to what was going forward. So... I mean, 20 matches over two days, it's it's exceptionally long. It mm-hmm. really is. And even when I'm looking at match lengths, I'm kind of like, yeah, like apart from like your generally, each night apart from your last two matches, everything is under 20 minutes, but you've got to take into account entrances. Mm-hmm. End, end of match, you know, they have, their, they have their protocol for giving things a clean eventually in the night. So... A card that could probably be done in like three and a half hours suddenly becomes like a, a five hour ordeal. Mm-hmm. And it would make it would be okay if everything made sense. Yeah. But it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Because like if you condense everything down into one card, yeah, it would have been a long ass like five or six hour card, but at least you would have had matches, every match would have meant something. And like the whole point of it being over two days, much like with the tonight's WrestleMania's is that each night is meant to feel kind of shorter rather than a one one full on day like Madison. He said so. And if we're going to sit here as wrestling fans and criticize like the length of recent WrestleManias, then I think we should equally be able to criticize Wrestle Kingdom for doing a similar thing. Yeah, that's that's it. This this is where like they're they're doing the whole Harvey Dent. If if you <laughs> live too long, you, you're you're no longer the hero. You become the villain. It's like. <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom, I love it to bits, but I'll be honest, they, like these last couple of years, it's starting to become too much. Mm-hmm. I was at least glad that, unlike the last couple of times we've been in the dome, they didn't. Not everybody had to come to the dugout. Even during the ramble, where they usually would come out to the dugout, everyone got to come down the ramp, and we got like the proper Wrestle Kingdom stage that helped it at least have that big show feel. But you see about the the main event matches, you know, they get the they got the time as rightfully so. 35 minutes this match went with Shingo and Okada and at no point during it did I feel bored at all during it. There were even a few moments where I'm out loud going, oh, like, you know, I'm making more noise at points in the crowd because also they're not allowed to. But, you know, it was very back and forth. Notably, Shingo does not hit Laugh of the Dragon at any point. He does hit a couple of Made in Japans, but, you know, so he's kept, you know, relatively strong. The the That landslide, like, tombstone that... Uh, Okay, does I still wince every so often when I see that. And then Osprey, who again I still don't agree with him wrestling earlier in the night, because he was in that six man, like it was him, him, Cobin, and uh, Okan against Naito, Bushi, and Sinan. I'm thinking, hmm, try and point out out of these six guys who's the one that's here to take the fall. And then out comes Osprey right after the match, and he's calling Okada a slag and everything, and Kevin Kelly just perfectly goes, I have no clue what a slag is, but Osprey has referred to me as one many times. <laughs> I honestly love that line. This this is one of the one of the reasons why Kevin Kelly is actually a highlight mm-hmm. of of New Japan. The fact that he just comes away with such brilliant lines. And, yeah, I mean, like that six man tag edge point. It's like so we've got the man that's in the main event on night two in there. Well, he's not going to take the pin. Mm-hmm. 
let's face it, you just looked at that and you went, hmm, who's going to take the pin? Who's the only junior heavyweight there? <laughs> yeah. Poor Bushy, he's kind of found his niche, you know, kind of uh, he found his place, you know, kind of having to be the fall guy at points for LIJ. But, you know, at least they got on the card, you know, bless him. Uh, what do you think Shingo's going to go from here? Because, you know, he yeah, this was his fourth defense coming into wrestling and the most of anybody so far with this version of the belt. And, you know, right now he's in a bunch of tag matches on the road to like this new tour and everything, but there's no real clear sign as to where he's going to go from here. With there being no real, cl- no real clear sign, the only thing that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of speculating on two options for Shingo going forward. One is to go back into tag action. Um, and I think that's going to be dependent on a couple of the singles titles results we've got coming up. Mm-hmm. Or my other speculation is, there's a certain bastard holding that open weight belt that I really didn't like holding it. And I really <laughs> want to see Shingo batter the living shit out of him. I would I would take anyone to batter the shit out of him, but Shingo especially, you know, that's, I still think of that even now with Shingo's belt, that never, that never title because he did so much with it. I definitely think, you know, they're not, you know, a stranger to, you know, like having someone lose a tail, but give them a wee break and then bring them back into contention for it. So I would say, like, even if you hold off to, like, March time, and I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them to give Shingo the New Japan Cup this year because, you know, he came so close. You know, he lost in the finals to Osprey. So I wouldn't, I and mean, he was, like, one of the standards of the entire tournament beating a bunch of former winners, you know, He's yet to have an actual tournament win of his own. He keeps coming sh- up short in these tournaments. So, you know, give, give Single the New Japan Cup. I know, he, he deserves that. You know, like, this is where I feel LIG are always kind of screwed over at the end. Like, Naito's had many good runs. Uh, even Shingo's now had a run. Uh, Bushi's had a run with a junior a junior title. So is Hiromi. Um, but Gato. Why the fuck are you doing my boy Sonada dirty? <laughs> well, Sonada does have a big singles opportunity coming up very soon, and we'll talk about that. Uh, but but uh, even though I said I prefer the single match with the Osprey, I'm sure when it comes out, if it's not out already, the Uncle Dave will be there dishing out stars to both these matches like they're going out of fashion. Uh, and I like that Osprey climbed up the, the you know, equipment and everything to do a dive, similar to what he did in a previous Fist Kingdom match. It's almost as if that match where he did it before had a wrong in it that they don't want to talk about. So they thought, okay, now we can show replays of this one other than rather than showing replays from that other match. Yeah, like um, I, I'm, we mentioned Uncle Dave. I'm pretty sure Dave did give his stars out. And if I remember correctly, Osprey and Okada broke the five stars, but Shingo and Okada didn't, which... Uh, well, Uncle Dave, based on some of the things you're saying lately, you just need to fucking take a lie down. <laughs> go to bed, Dave. You're tired. Go, go to bed. You're just you're taking the piss here. But yeah, like some of the spots, like Osprey doing the whole climbing the 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 structure and doing the flipping that. It, as cool as that is to me, it did not feel in place for a main event heavyweight title match in the dome. It. it to me, that that is a junior spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it did feel like they were they were having Osprey kind of go back to his like junior heavyweight roots with like doing that. He did this spot where he had like the shooting star while uh, Okada was like strung over the top rope and things like that. So he was kind of like 
I still felt like he was wrestling as a junior heavyweight despite, you know, obviously not being in the junior division. And it's way an interesting idea. Like if not if now after all this time he still isn't beating Okada and he's he said in his post match comments, you know, this is the time of year we both speculate, but I'm not going anywhere. Uh uh, I wonder, like, when, if ever, will they give Osprey that win over Okada? Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's like I I, I don't get I get why they went with Okada. It is your safe bet and that, but this was their chance to go bold and either keep it on Shingo or just have Osprey do what I kind of felt they were eventually going to do with Osprey anyway. So. Uh, like to an extent, it feels like two steps forward and a step back, or a step forward, two steps back. Whatever you want to look at, it, there's, there's just not the same momentum as I feel they could have had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just looking at the star ratings, the now four point seven five is what Shingo Okada got, and it was five point seven five that Osprey Okada got. So there's like a star or so a difference, but again, it's we should try and remember that it's all subjective at the end of the day. And Dave is definitely talking fish there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, we should mention that who I was interested if they would do the whole if someone comes out of challenge, Naito's just so wait, comes out of challenge, Okada, you know, Freudian slip there because uh, of who came out, but <laughs> uh, who would come out and challenge Okada because you know, so that we knew that coming out of whatever happened on night three, we knew who Okada's next challenge was going to be. And of course, it was Titsu and Naito, who I think I'm very much okay with that because it's. It's been a while since he's really properly been in the the title hunt. You know, he was un, unfortunately taken out of the of the G one duty and injury and everything. He's kind of been you know stuck in limbo seemingly since he lost to Ibushi on Wrestle Kingdom fifteen night one. So, you know, kind of a well overdue return to this kind of main event picture for Naito. I think this is one of those matches. It's been done a fair few times, but not so regular to the point you're fed up of seeing it. And Naito has rightfully taken a bit of a turn away from singles. There's no Intercontinental for him to chase. He went with tag team action for a good few months, injured in the G1. Uh, so when I saw Naito come out, I was like, I'm okay with this. This could be actually quite a bit of fun. I, I think I think the writing's on the wall that it's going to be Okada to retain again. But mm-hmm. I think it doesn't matter if you know the end result of this match. It's going to be a fun one to watch because the two of them have such great chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like I said, Okada doesn't have short title reigns, so he's going to hold that to at least the summertime at the earliest, I think. That's kind of my earlier prediction to do with that. But uh, I, I try to get creative with the notes because I'm sick of just putting so and so fights this, or on this date, these people will fight. So I tried, so I think I accurately summed up here when Tanahashi regained the US title, I also put Kenta too fucked up to work night three because uh, Jesus, dude. <laughs> It wasn't just one injury. There was almost a list the commentators were reading out for how badly banged up Kenta walked out of this no DQ match. Yeah, Kenta's injuries, and you can tell exactly what spot probably caused the majority of them. It was pretty fucking grim to see. Like, it was like you don't fuck with Deathmatch Tanahashi. <laughs> yeah, Deathmatch Tanahashi, because like. The whole story seemed to be that he was uh, being forced to come out of you know usual clean cut uh, style of wrestling because of Kenta. You know he just went ham on him with the candlestick, causing a DQ and their the multi man tag uh, on night one. Again, the spot could have been played for the road to Tokyo Dome, but that's just my opinion. 
And then it's, you know, you're kind of questioning just how far, because you know, they've had a few no DQs, not sporadically over the last couple of years, but how far would they actually go with this? And pretty fucking far turned out to be the answer. And I like that it's the US title that's the, t- the belt that have this kind of stipulation down with the whole Western influence. And uh, one, of the, one of the best little touches to this is kind of went under the ring. What is the pull out? That's still fucked up beyond repair. Old uh, right to challenge briefcase. Aye. That was it was just unreal. I was like, what is going on here? Like this this Tanahashi is not n- never seen this is a, a very rare thing. This is quite actually terrifying. <laughs> um after my, as soon as they pulled out the big ladder, I just looked at it and went, That thing looks fucking terrifying. That thing looks like it's gonna fall apart if even someone so much as breathes on it. <laughs> and I was just like, something bad is gonna happen. And that height with not just a table. A new Japan table. Hmm. And like, I'm looking at the list of injuries: a dislocated left hip, a broken nose, tendon damage to the finger, severe lacerations to his back. I'm like, hmm. What did what happened? Did he have a car crash or a match? <laughs> I know. Uh, that ladder that he brings at the end, the fucking size of it, and the fact that you know, obviously things went wrong because he had to take so long to set it up because Red Shoes refused to. You know, to help him, like set it up, and then Okada. And I loved, like, I can't remember if it was Christopher or if it was Kevin Kelly, but this guy is the highest of high fly flows that he hits off the top of the, off the top of the ladder through the table. Which, thank God, that fucking thing broke because if it didn't, oh, if that if that table didn't break, I'm pretty sure every bone inside the body would have instead because it was horrible, and, and it's still haunting to see the image of the broken table. And looking at it and going, that's no ketchup. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, four stars this match got from, from Dave Meltzer as well. And it seems to be that uh, towards the end of the upcoming tour in mid-February, we're going to have Tanahashi defend the title against Sonata. And, you know, we've been saying it for ages, like when Sonata going to get some singles gold, you know. Tanahashi is not a stranger to, you know, gaining a, winning a title and dropping it very quickly afterwards. He did it for Jay White and you know, guys like that. So if if Sonata was finally gonna get a single state, like you said, there's no uh, no never t- there's no Intercontinental title to chase. I mean he's got history with the prick hole and the never belt, but the US title, I, I could I think that's a, a good, you know, way for Sonata to go. Yeah, this to me is the most sensible way. I, it's still weird how they've kind of went about it. Like it felt like there was no build. It was just a case of, oh yeah, so now that's challenging for the US belt. And I was like, what the fuck this happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of did you know, come out of nowhere, but I'm not complaining because you know I want to see that match. You know, it's a very similar style. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going through my notes and I can't believe it. You know, you know. I'm, I'm angry at myself here that I didn't even include in the notes. So much happening, I didn't even include Shibata's match in my notes. I know. That is that is just not acceptable. I'll hang my head. And, you know, I'm going to go off script here and just, you know, I'm going to do a Shibata go off script and go, Scott, you fucking idiot, why did you not include that? Because <laughs> so much has happened. It's been a long, <laughs> a long couple of weeks. But yeah, Shibata also had his first match back in a long time. Uh, you know, maybe under catchphrase and rules, but he, you know, by all accounts, went all script and said, fuck it, we're having regular regular wrestling rules. And there were so many suggestions, you know, from people 
who could it possibly be? And uh, turned out to be when you really thought of it for more than a couple of minutes. Oh yeah, one of his well prime trainees, Ren Narita, coming out, or just described him Shibata Junior, which uh, when you actually see his hair and his gear, like yeah, there were points where I couldn't tell who was who here. Like it was the wrestling equivalent of that Spider Man meme of them both pointing at each other. Yeah, one of my pals, we were watching it live, and my pal was like, how the fuck can you tell who is who? I was like, look for kick pads. If you see <laughs> kick pads, it's Shibata. If you see no kick pads, it's Narita. He's like, how the fuck? I was like, I know. They've got pretty much the same moustache. They've got the same haircut. You know, this is the Spider-Man meme come to life. <laughs> and, you know, it's... I didn't even think about it at the time, but looking back on it, um, for anyone that's watched Strong on the regular, this match makes complete, total sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't really watched, had a chance to watch Strong in a long time, but he is prominently featured as Renu, and they do talk about people like him in the LA George always wanting to do you know, Shibata Proud. And, you know, it was a hell of a spot to him, for him to get put into, you know, Shibata's first match after all this time, you know, no pressure or anything like that. And, you know, Shibata, like, even though it wasn't technically catch wrestling rules, it did feel like that one, for the most part, with, you know, the occasional stuff like the drop kick in the corner, that Shibata was known for and, you know, hasn't lost a step. Three point, uh, three and a quarter stars this got from uh, from Uncle Dave. No, actually, three and a half. Three and a half stars I got from Dave Meltzer and, you know, Shibata, as he said in his post-match comments, I have returned to work without incident. This is one of those ones I just did not see a point in putting a star rating on it because unless it was an absolute howler and Shibata got injured again to me, it was just five stars right mm-hmm. through because th- this is probably the biggest return in wrestling since Daniel Bryan came back. Mm-hmm. Like, like there, there is no other way to put it because I mean, like Daniel Bryan had some bad stuff. Shibata almost fucking died. <laughs> yeah. Like he and Edge were told, like you're one step closer to like one more match or one more bad bump than you're could be in serious fucking issues. Like you could never walk again. He, like I said, nearly died in the middle of the fucking rain. Uh, so he's back. No clues into when we're going to see him again, but it is looking like we are going to see him again. And you know, if that's the case, then 2022 is already better than the past two years, particular. I, I'm hoping this is the balancing point because everything went to shit when Liger retired. Yeah. So I'm hoping Shibata coming back is the turning point in all of life. <laughs> like like Thanos said, everything in perfect balance as it should be. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Listen to Thanos, Gado. Listen to Thanos. <laughs> uh, we're going into a match that we we knew was going to be a highlight of you know the weekend. Uh, when we when it was announced or when we knew we were having it, Desperado and Hiromu part three technically, you know, but or four at this stage because they had two matches in twenty twenty best of Super Juniors. But in your case, it was the semi main event for night one, rightfully so. Got four and a quarter stars from Dave Meltzer, and weirdly, while it got a decent amount of time, my main shock was that it wasn't long. I thought almost like it wasn't long enough because. You know, we were just seen them have a 30 minute you know, draw in the their last match at Super Juniors. This went 16 minutes. But having said that, they went a thousand miles an hour to start off with and they didn't slow down for those 16 minutes. Yeah, this this was a match which, uh, you know, going into it, I thought, 
right, we're going to get some sort of like 35, 40 minute junior masterclass. Looking looking at the match though and how I came out of it, I was like, right, that was only 16 minutes, but it was fucking wonderful. Like the They've like these two have had multiple matches before. We've had the kind of we've had the technical match, we've had the the psychology match. This was just two men beating the ever loving shit out of each other, and it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you really just talk about you know his big time, his big match, mass with the black and the gold. This time he had the white with some gold through, it. and if anyone's read the Flash comics, he looked. I immediately thought of him like, but he looks like Godspeed from the from the Flash comics, and. He said they were just throwing everything at each other. He, we thought he was. I thought he was going to tap him out if he won, but no, he won clean as a whistle. Two fucking right hands to the jaw, and the pinchy local pinned him cleanly. A Undertaker pinned him, and everything like I thought. Somebody who's not Undertaker goes for that pin. I automatically assume the person's not going to kick. That the person's going to kick out, and so when Horomo didn't kick out, like oh fuck, he beat him. This this to me was very much the right call. Um, this match was played perfectly. He um, also that that white white makeup with the gold just reminded me a bit of a White Walker from Game of Thrones, <laughs> but with a bit. But unlike Game of Thrones, it had a good ending. Yeah, it did. It had an ending that people were were satisfied with. Uh, so yeah, four and uh, a quarter, four and a quarter stars. Which I think compared to some, I think it's low compared to some of the other outings that they've had. And they seem to set up uh, Desperado, you know, they're going with him for the long run, it seems, but they set up his next challenger in the strangest way possible because on the the pre-show of Night 2, they had Desperado team with Karamaru and Takamichi Doku against Kojima, Tenzan and Master Roto. And Master Roto seems to debut a new submission move and he taps out Desperado. I was like, wait a minute, did Japanese Karen just tap out our champion, um, Queen? In the middle, like no assistance, nothing dodgy, straight clean. Like yeah. Watto has came out from like being well. We've talked about this multiple times. Watto's always looked like he's kind of struggled in the kind of mid card of the juniors, and suddenly out of nowhere, he gets a clean submission, not a pin, an actual submission. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is going on? I have no idea what's going. On. I mean, I'm sure they want to give new people a shot with the the title and. I'm assuming that the story of their match is going to be that finisher versus, you know, numero dos in terms of, like, who can get their finisher locked in first and then try and make Wall look like a, a threat because this is his first time challenging for that belt. So fair play to him, but I am going to be rooting for Desperate to tap the wee shit out. <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly, I'm wanting Desperado not to just, like, mildly beat him. I am looking for him to ruin him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see how that uh, goes. He's kind of proving like, see Taguchi, I don't fucking need you. I got myself a junior heavyweight title match and you could even get your 69th win for the junior tag titles. Ah, oh, oh, we're, we're going there. We're going there. We're going there. We're going down that route. Gero, 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 Gero. You had one fucking job to do. One fucking, You could have booked every other match the wrong way. Taguchi being denied his 69th. Being denied his 69th. Why, even after ELP got exposed, you still denied the 69 to keep it on the fucking flying tigers. <laughs> I was shouting at my TV at the end of the result of this match. Plus, how the fuck do you book it that you have a triple threat and disqualify a team out of it? I know. That doesn't make any sense. I know, it's not even, they, they expressly said this is not elimination. 
and they said, oh, these two have been found out, you're eliminated. Sorry, what? I mean, at least we finally, well, I think this puts an end to this whole year-long thing that we've had with ELP, that giant bit of metal that they put in, like, I know there's probably not, been nothing in there the whole time, but then for this one show, also they put something in there, but that was almost comical, the size of that bit of metal. I, it was, it, it like, I, I'm still kind of bamboozled by the whole, like, they found out ELP finally. It just feels like it's it, it, it seems very anticlimactic, especially after the fact that like the, they done the whole they they found like they they found out like what was it Taguchi looked in the in the, in the boot and found a note which said fuck you Taguchi. Mm-hmm. So to suddenly just have have it finally pay off and it was it's a tiny little plate mm-hmm. chipped it I chipped it off mother silverware. Yes, <laughs> I was like. I was like, what? What is going on? But yeah, I, I still can't get my head around the whole... Like, I always thought triple threats, you know, unless I've missed something in the rules, as far as I was always concerned, triple threats were always treated as almost like a like a no-DQ situation. Pretty much anything mm-hmm. can go within a triple threat. So it just did not make sense to me. Yeah, I always thought that as well. But again, maybe in Japan, it's good because they don't often do them. And then, like, it's not as if it, like, they continued the match on probably like, afterwards because, like, they only get, got an extra couple of minutes after they left because they really, like, stretched out the soul. Then everybody holding them down after uh, Ishimori got knocked out and, like, ripping the boot off and then revealing to the referee what was in the boot. And then within a couple of minutes later, Robbie Eagles has got Rocky in the, uh, the Ron Miller special and he's tapping out. And uh, Taguchi seemed to be uh, very pissed off with Rocky Romero for tapping out. I thought, ooh, where are they going with this? Yeah, that that like that that sort of like tap out was very much and you're right, like Taguchi did not look happy and like just this is this is the only I just want Taguchi to get that that those junior tag belts. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. I'm a simple man with simple desires. Yeah. Give me what I want. Give us what we want. It did seem like the most like clear cut result to have. And then, like, they keep explaining to you why he's so obsessed with it, and it didn't seem to be like, like a hard thing to really do. Like, just give them the that's because you know Robbie Eagles and you know them as well. They've been good together as a team so far. I don't really see them having that much longevity as a team. So just give it to Rocky that because again, it would have been his sixth time as a tag team champions with Taguchi and Robbie's ninth. So there would have been another six to nine right there. It was all just like laid out in front of you, and you still fucked it. And speaking <laughs> of people fucking things up, let's remain on this train and talk about the fact that not only this match here that has the lowest rating of any match across all three nights, one star went to Evil versus Ishii for the Never Open Weight title. And, God, there were shenanigans aplenty. They said, oh, sorry, your tag partners can't come in and help you. They're t- too busy thinking about their tag title matches coming on next. Uh and now Evil has won the Never Open Weight title. Evil holds two belts at once. You know, it's bad enough that he held two belts at once and one of them happened to be the World Heavyweight title. But now he's got two belts again. So twice in his career, Evil has happened to hold two belts at the one time. And now he seems to be going after a third. I mean, what the who? What does Dick Togo have on you, Kato? I know, like that, that. Like, I'm, I'm really annoyed because until Evil t- 
turned this way and went all house of I'm not calling it house of torture, it's house of shit. It's house of shit. But ever since Evil went house of shit, Ishii always had a fantastic average rating. Always. Always. And then Evil comes along, it's like, all right, Ishii, I hear you usually have good good rated matches. Yes, they're normally about four stars at least. Let's change that then. You're talking yeah. up the way, right? You're talking up the way. It's like the Anakin and Padme meme all over again. <laughs> the, rate, the rating's going up, right? Mm. <laughs> no, it's fucking not. <laughs> I know. And it was basically the exact opposite of what you expect from a never open white title match because, like, it was, you know, because Evil's a big guy, so you want to see the heart end. Just want to see two guys batter each other. But no, it was, they were just throwing everything by the kitchen sink. Um, like, it's the most blatantly shenanigan-filled match since Shawn Michaels beat beat the bulldog in his home country in front of his dying sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the comparison is actually fucking bang on. That is that is unreal. It's it's probably the most low wrestling's got since like MGF talked about Brian Pillman Senior. Yeah. All that's missing was them giving a like Ishii's bit off and throwing it at somebody in the crowd, like when they threw. Like when they threw Buddy Bulldog's knee brace to his missus during one night only. But <laughs> like they threw just everything that you thought things were going to go well and against the House of Torture because it started off well enough with Yo and showing a really decent opener. You know, even Dick Togo getting you know, you know fended off by Yo kind of all by himself and Yo managed to get the victory over. So even managing to avoid getting hit with the wrench post match. But then everything from there just went down and down and down again because Evil then won the Never title he and there's a shit retained the tag team titles the following night and I'm actually got two and a half stars and even that I think is a bit generous and then uh, Goto and Yoshiashi and I'll talk about this more in a second but good for, good for them they won the tag team titles but now they want another match to get the, the they want another shot the six man belts and so to coax there's the torture around they managed to say they'll say to Yujiro and Evil, but you just gonna have a shot at these belts if you use a shot at those, but like what what are you doing? On the upcoming tour, Evil has three title matches. Three. I know. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what I've done to deserve this. Like what what did I do in a past life or did I did I spit in someone's coffee? What, did I start? The COVID virus? Did I did I start COVID and deserve this? But that's three title matches. Too many for evil. Far too many. And it really pisses me off because, let, let's face it, before evil went to Bullet Club, when he was still in LIG, he was, it, let's be honest, he wasn't the best, mm-hmm. but he was still fun to watch. And I still think one of the best tag matches in the last several years that never gets enough appreciation was when it was Evil and Shingo against Ishii and Goto. Mm-hmm. Like Evil without the shenanigans, just Evil being a bit of a powerhouse, which is what he should be. He shouldn't be doing shitbag shenanigans. He's too big a lad for it. That's the evil that they're missing. Instead, they've got every shenanigan under the sun to the point where, hey, let's let's flip light. No dick. No. <laughs> no fucking no fucking on. And we're now going to end up with three title matches which are going to be riddled. And I mean absolutely riddled. More than Jack Graham's car in a car park. With shenanigans. I know. 
Like, I mean, Ross won the sweet state, I should mention, that we had for Wrestle Kingdom, retaining the ASR title. He managed to flick his way, and one of the ways he got through was somehow by pick me one of the people to pick evil to win the Never title match, so that goes to show how his mind, evil mind works. He also lost the, the ESR title in a sweep a few days later, what we had for Hard to Kill in a Karmic Justice. He lost it to, I think, Sarah, if I can remember, who happened to be running the sweep. I'm not going to point, put two and two together or anything. But I think Ross, you know, winning an ESR, you know, sweep to do with New Japan and then immediately losing the belt, he is the sweep equivalent of Evil's world title reign from 2020. I mean, we were talking about getting Ross on to say a few words during this show for winning that that one, but no, honestly, no, no, I do not need to relive the memories. It yeah. is traumatic. The fact <laughs> that we lost to Ross, I know, never going to fucking hear the end of it. We are never going to hear the end of this. We are like Joey Exotic. We are never going to financially recover from this. God, that 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 is exactly right on the money. Um, but if anyone that listens is good in Photoshop, if you can Photoshop Ross's face onto Joe Exotic with that, I will fucking love you forever. That would be absolute gold. <laughs> uh, let's let's try and find something more positive here. I mean, uh, I mean, I was going to say positive, but like, go and you should actually win the title. It was, it was good. They had more offense against Dangerous Tigers than they ever had before. You know, proving that their match during the World Tag League wasn't a fluke. But then remembering that the first defense is going to be against House of Torture immediately brings me back down again. So I'm trying to find a silver lining. You know, poor Dangerous Tigers are being pulled into my misery as a result. Far too, far too deep. The misery is far too deep. It is darkness. It's, it's <laughs> actually as dark as, as the Goat's Darkness gimmick all over again. No, he listens to this, so he will hear me saying this. But, you know, if someone said to me, would you rather have evil continue to hold belts or have the Goat bring back the darkness for a full year? I will take a year in the darkness. <laughs> and we know how brutal that is. I know. Like, you know, with, with, like, the, I don't care about the six man belts being dragged into his ship. Like, the Never title has a certain standard now after people like Shingo and Jay White holding it. And they're evil dragging that down. And now he's going to drag down the, even, even though he isn't going to win. And hopefully, I, hopefully that statement doesn't come back to bite me on the arse. He's not going to win the tag team titles. He's still, we're still going to have a tight team tail match riddled with those same shitty shenanigans. I mean, I keep trying to get above all the darkness, but you know, as some fire one one said, I'm in too deep. Now I'm trying to keep up above in my head, but instead I'm going under, and underneath is just a lot of dick toggle shit. I know, but my only hope is that with Bo Selector, we can get a rewind and keep those belts <laughs> on them. <laughs> uh. Yes. I have went down that route. I have went down that route for throwbacks. <laughs> uh, where, where else in the wrestling podcast where do you get references to some forty-one and both selected in such short order? You know, that's it. Like, who who'd have thought we would find a way to make it happen? But I, ever since it was pointed out that Yoshihashi looks like a both selected ca- character, and the only person that has disagreed with that has been Sarah's man Daniel. <laughs> Daniel, you're probably not listening. But you're wrong. You're so wrong. You're so wrong. Next time I see you, I will tell you you're wrong. But if you heard it by now, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, hey, look at us. Who does that? Who does that? <laughs> uh, anything else to really talk about? I mean, the Stardom match was solid. But uh, again, like I don't have much to comment on it because I'm 
I could say I'll try to check out more stardom, but it's going to be one of those things I put on my digital list and say I'll get round to, but likely won't. I'd even put the uh, the Sonata uh, Great Ocad match or the Naito Def God match on here because, uh, well, they were just there kind of like the Naito match was a bit better, but I think he partly reason he won is that there was a legit injury at Cobb's knee and uh, Sonata Okan was pretty much what I expected of it. But in terms of things I want to talk about, let's talk about the Rambo, shall we? With uh, Chase Owens, he seems to insist on coming out number one for some reason. And we got some decent entries in here. You got to see here Taka come out to his music, you know, with the Taka is coming bit at the start. Motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, well, no, I remember hearing some of the music playing the word strong hearts. I'm like, I, I recognize Robbie. Weren't they in need? And then the word Shima comes up on the screen. I'm like, oh, fuck, I've never thought about him in a long time. That that was probably the biggest surprise of the whole thing. It's like, holy shit, they've got Shima. That's like, that's like, I forgot he still wrestled. Obviously, he appeared in AW and then had OWE, which became the most dodgy company in the whole world. Yeah, there was that, um, all these all these well, UK talents who signed up for a tour and then which got cancelled. Then immediately, all of them going to our like, any bookings fee this weekend? I need to make up the money here. I mean, the only company as dodgy as OWE was ICW. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say five star or someone like that, but okay, to each his own. Uh, five star was more legit than ICW. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get all the hot takes here on uh, on East Meets West. <laughs> Like, what are they going to do? They're going to come for me? Bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but uh, the Rambo, obviously, it's one of the matches you look forward to. You know, it's that bit of fun, and you you want to see who the the, like combinations of people that are going to be on the second night. And, you know, you can never properly predict this, I mean, unless you want to pick Yano being in there. Uh, So Yano ended up going through with Suzuki, Shima, and. Uh, well, Chase Owens, yeah. I mean, Chase seems to be a start as well at this stage. He's the only other person other than Wattle at that point. He's the only person other than Jano at that point to hold the, the trophy. But at least Jano did uh, a bit of work more than he did last time. Where when he got to the ring, there's only there were like six. When he came in the ring, there were like six, seven people in that ring. He immediately eliminates Hanari. And then there was a, like a figure four double pin spot. And that gets two people in, like, hey, there's only four of us left. And once everybody realised that Yano had went through the four-way, all three of them just started beating the shit out of them. They're just fed up of it. Like, like they're like, "Are you kidding me? He's in it again." Although this time he actually had to do some wrestling. He yeah. actually had to do something to get in. He actually has eliminations to his name. And I should mention when he did the double pin spot, it was during a figure four where he eliminated Bad Luck Valley and another surprise I couldn't have called Tatsumi Fujinami. That was I was like. They did not just say who I think they did. And they came out and I was like, oh my fucking God. Mm-hmm. What is going on here? There were we Hall of Famer as well, Fujinami, I'm pretty sure. One of the few, like, Japanese dance, like, on likes of Liger, people like that who didn't really wrestle in WB, who have been inducted in the Hall of Fame, you know, developed so many moves that you see in wrestling, especially in Japan now. So getting to see him there, Andy still was able to mix it up fairly well with everybody else. But other than them, you had Young Lions and your mix of undercard and legends talent in there. But yeah, Hanari, I really thought Hanari, even though I didn't actually end up going for him in our sweep, I thought there was a good chance he was uh, going to go through. And then he made him to give him immediately running at Yano as soon as he got in the ring. And he's like, you? It's like, nope, not today, son. 
Not today. Tati by now. Tata. Like, even the Rambo, which you think that somebody like the amount of win rate or anything seem to get better than Evil Ishii. Like, two and a, two and three quarter stars the Rambo got, and the four-way got three stars. And the most important thing coming out of it is Suzuki, a man who calls, who is referred to as the king of pro wrestling, is now the provisional king of pro wrestling trophy holder. And, you know, the ominous words from Kevin Kelly, like, my God, what, what kind of rules is this maniac going to unleash upon New Japan Pro Wrestling? I know. I, I think like Suzuki's like post-match stuff really summed up. He's like, you're going to regret like giving me this. And I'm like, someone's going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually think we're, I'm, I don't even joke about it. I, like, I think we're going to see a murder. I think, yeah, I know if he wants that trophy, he's going to have to do what he did to Chase Owens. He's going to have to dye the hair and bring back like lunatic Yano and try and if he's going to get that back off of Suzuki. See, this is what I love, the fact the story behind this, because let's face it, in the G1, for example, who is Suzuki never beaten the G1? Fucking Yano! <laughs> so, like, Suzuki is going to be out for blood. Absolutely, he is. And so there's a lot uh, to come with, with that, hopefully, and Suzuki and his path of destruction that he's going to unleash upon us. But then we get to night three. I don't think we'll bring down all of the matches kind of like look at like select ones but uh, in your opinion looking across like you know there were a lot of time matches there were a couple of singles matches there was a young Lions match that went to a draw and show uh, wrestled and what the only main card singles match uh, but what were kind of your stand, some of your standout like matches from night three I'd say for night three to me like the, the big standout match for me was the uh, the, the LIJ 10-man tag. I have really, really enjoyed that match. Um, not being as well-versed in Noah, I only really had the, uh, the New Japan commentary, and I did check on Twitter afterwards, and there was some unhappiness from Noah fans about the way that New Japan's commentary put across their opposition. They kind of felt that there wasn't enough respect given because essentially that was Noah's equivalent of LIJ, so there wasn't really meant to be any discord or anything between them and I just I, I honestly I, I really enjoyed that match I felt it done a great job despite having like 10 people in it's a lot of men to juggle mm-hmm. they done fantastic um, and I feel it was better than the main yeah I really think even though obviously I think the main reason that main event was purely the star power but you got Tanahashi and Okada the Japan side Keiji Muto on the other side you know so I think that's the main reason it was in there. And I, I think there was seemingly more story with the LIJ thing because you had, you know, members of uh, of the Noah side, you know, kind of of Congo, kind of just like talking shit, especially poking fun, at, uh, poking fun at Shingo when they all showed up on night two. They say Shingo, hey, you know, two because two members of the Congo, one of them had the national belt, the kind of open weight belt, and then you had the GHC champion, the heavyweight champion on their side, like, it shouldn't go up into your belt. We've still got our belts. And then I think it made, it was like really fitting that Shingo got the win for his team after hitting Last of the Dragon. But, uh, you know, there are some things they left open. And given it's the 50th year, I'm sure they're open. They do more promotion, which I'd be happy with. But I think given that there was actually more story behind this than any other of the matches in the on this card and the actual heat between the guys involved, this should have definitely been evented. Uh, yeah, this is going to be big. Uh, 
like the talk I heard even going back a few months and I'm hoping it's still holding true is that the 50th anniversary show this year for New Japan is going to be pretty much involving all the big Japan promotions so in theory they're talking that that's going to involve New Japan it's going to involve NOAA and it's going to involve all Japan I would love it if DDT get involved as well somehow and we could have all four involved and that, that to me is a dream situation yeah whether it happens, I do not know, but something tells me there is going to be enough in it to do so. Um, another big thing that I was glad I didn't get this one live, I don't know if you'd heard about it, but like there was no intro music. They yeah. muted everything. Yeah, pretty much. I heard like a lot of the music was like, like they do occasionally on New Japan World, only every so often, but like almost every song had some sort of copyright issue, like, so they couldn't play it. So you have this weird bit of silence and then just trying to include the commentary over it, uh, which is always a pain in the arse. And, you know, this is one of the things where I was glad to watch the English commentary for a show and have someone like Chris Charlton there with his expertise and let, explain to me why a lot of these guys are so good on the Noah side and explain to you a bit more of the history that I didn't know about with some guys. I know, like, guys like Taiji Shimori and Suzuki can wrestle then Noah, but you got to see more of the background to it and everything. Uh like, cause it wasn't like I didn't like care about any of the guys involved, but like, I just I didn't know them, so I didn't know how you get excited. And throughout the night, I don't know about you, even though it was a great night of wrestling, albeit full of tag matches, it seemed like you know a case of you know it didn't. It was a big show, but it didn't feel like worthy of having the title Wrestle Kingdom on it, like being a night of Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I I feel the Wrestle Kingdom like name should not have been put on this. I think if they were to go and put the Wrestle Kingdom like, name on this, there should have been cross-promotion title matches. Mm-hmm. That, to me, alone would make it worth it. I'm not saying they have to put the big, like the biggest belts on the line, but if they were willing to put their mid-card belts on the line and willing to engage in something that would maybe last over the next few months, even mm-hmm. if it was just a temporary thing for like quarter of the year, yeah, that, that would... that would like If you were to say, like we're going to put the GHC tag belts on the line and we're going to put the the junior heavyweight title on the line from the Japan side um, yes that is a Wrestle Kingdom worthy name mm-hmm. otherwise no this is just a glorified exhibition show yeah like because like you had because uh, the GHC tag chants were Marafuji and Keiji Muto and they're also in separate matches and Marafuji and his match one of the guys on the opposite side was Zack Sabre Jr and I love the fact that he teased him like we hold up his side but like Hey, I still got my tag belts. Where's your tag bill? And uh, you had Gido and Taiji Shimori and a, a tag team match against, you know, one, one of the guys involved was the GHC Junior Heavyweight Champion, and he's on eight defenses. They said, oh, he's approaching uh, Taiji Shimori's record, both of them out of days, and defenses, Ishimori has a record with 10. And so the idea of like, oh, maybe Ishimori wants to fight him, well, Ishimori wants to win this match so he can maybe get a title shot and stop someone from breaking his record. You know, those little bit of stories that are added to with having someone like Chris Charlton on the commentary. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's definitely... There, there, there's just so many bits to it. It's just... Like, on paper, when this was announced and I heard Noah V's New Japan, immediately I'm like, yes, yes. And then they announced the card and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, totally. It's a shame because you know I I do feel though there 
it did give for anyone that's never watched Noah because I'll be honest I've not watched a lot of Noah I've seen bits and bobs over the years and I've quite enjoyed what I've seen and I felt this was a a very good way for people to get a chance to get a glimpse at the Noah talent because if you like New Japan chances are you're going to really enjoy Noah if you give it a chance to watch it if you've got the time but that is the big problem is that if you were to try and watch both promotions good luck Mm. there is so much to watch all year round and that's not even including like adding an all Japan to the mix or DDT. Like New Japan, as we always talk about when we're doing this podcast, dominates your year. Mm. And even then, like like pro wrestling Noah, like they used to be the number two promotion under New Japan, and then there were times where they fell at the number one because uh, they started in two thousand and in the mid two thousands they started doing stuff with Ring of Water while New Japan was kind of struggling for a while. But then it feels like they went down a peg or two because New Japan then had that big growth period in the 2010s. And it feels like stardom almost is kind of taking their position as the number two company in a way. And, you know, so it's good for them to have this kind of exposure and maybe, maybe draw more Western eyes onto pro wrestling. No. Yeah, I'm hoping that this could be like a bit of a, a boom for them because there's definitely room in the market. WWE's kind of struggling at the moment with some of their, their talent. They've had some all-time low viewings. People are getting tired. AEW is a good alternative, but for some people, it's not what they're looking for. This is a chance to go and slip in the market. Yeah. I think for me, one of the highlights on this show, other than also the big, great time man tag and LIG getting the win, uh, the other two main highlights for me were uh, Evelyn Dick Togo getting their arses handed to them and I'm actually, you know, show one earlier on. That did their, it said their opponents also seemed like they were like guys flying the flag for Noah. One of them even had the green, like the Noah colours on his gear, which to me actually made him, given the greenish colour scheme, made him look like he was cosplaying as the green man more from Power Ranger at points. Uh, they say like, all these guys are like, you know, standard bearers of their, of their company, whereas people in New Japan are embarrassed they had the house of torture because it's just how they ruin everything and then they got battered and Kevin Kelly said can you guys take Kate house of torture back to Noah with you uh, I mean that that was beautiful like um, Go, Go Shiozaki is one of the names that I was familiar with beforehand and watching him absolutely leather seven shades at Dick Togo you deserve it Dick <laughs> you've dicked us around for too long <laughs> uh, too, much, too much stick being thrown out there <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And the other main highlight was uh, the fact that Kenta was met a team with Segura Gun, uh, Sakuraba, and Segura. And they thought, well, who's going to be the mystery partner? They just put it up as X, even after they put the match graphic on, after the partner was revealed, and they still had the weird X like mystery. Who's it going to be? And of all the people who come out, you know, I've, I've learned to recognize a certain number of New Japan music just like by the, like, the first second of the intro, even though there, and there are also others that I kind of don't recognize that all sound the same. And then hearing the, the opening chords of Toriyano's theme song, that maybe just kind of did that weird double take, like, wait, Yano? Yano's in this. I, know, I, was like, I was like, this is the most random replacement. I thought they would have maybe just found someone else from Noah to replace him, but no. Let's put Yano in there. Mm-hmm. Just to antagonise Suzuki a little bit more. Yeah, because they said that obviously Suzuki had issues with Segura as it was because that was kind of formed out of... Uh, Segura kind of leaving Suzuki and when they were in Noah, forming his own group and Hannah helping further Noah kind of send uh, Suzuki going back and ended up back to New Japan. And so that annoyed Suzuki enough I was going to face him. And then they put the guy who obviously has been his main foil 
you know, for this KPW title he's probably going to have to face in the future. And the guy who, like you said before, he seemingly can't beat in the bloody G1. So just, oh, Suzuki's just all seeing red on the other side of that ring. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just, and I am loving this continuing trend that with Suzuki again, Taka has been brought back in. We're all happy to see Taka. And he eats every single loss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Taka know. is coming to lose, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> it should be just Taka is taking the fall. <laughs> <laughs> That's his new music. That's his, that is his, definitely his new music. Uh, so a good, a decent night of wrestling, I think. And you know, I, I want to see more of this because, like, there were a few matchups going to be set up here based on like the fall because like even the Congo match with LIG, they were still scrapping even after the final bell. I don't, I love the fact they were still scrapping and, and the post match comments as well. I'm like, please let this be revisited because this holds the potential to bear so much more fruit coming forward. Mm-hmm. But look, but talking about going forward, let's look ahead to what we've got coming up. Uh, with New Japan, like from the 28th of January, which is today at time recording, through February to the 20th of February. Uh, they have the New Year Golden Series, this new tour, seemingly replacing New Beginning. There's no New Beginning this year, which is just odd. And a lot of the matches, for the most part, seem up very similar, with them being main evented by like an LIG team of Sanada, Shingo, and Naito taking on uh, Okada. Tanahashi and just a revolving door of like legends like some nights it's Nagata, some nights it's Homa, some nights it's Kojima and people like that. It doesn't really get interesting to like early February where you have like some of these like top like singles matches happening. I believe the 11th is the first time something big actually happens where you have Watto getting his junior heavyweight title shot against Desperado. You have a rematch between Yo and Sho and you've also got a special singles match between Taiji Shimori and Tiger Mask. Then on the 13th, we're going to have a, well, we're going to have a, a tag match with Tanahashi and Okada taking on Naito and Sonata. Evil giving Ishii's rematch for the Never title. And another a couple of new singles, a couple of other special singles matches with Robbie Eagles v Taiji Shimori and El Fantasmo taking on a Tiger Mask. And then all builds up to the final two days on the 19th and 20th. Uh, the 19th, we're going to see Ishimori and ELPE getting another shot at the Flying Tiger for the tag team titles. Uh, Yoshihashi and Golo will defend the tag titles against the House of Torture, and it will be the main event by Tanahashi versus Sonata for the US title. And then the final day, we'll see a KOPW title defence, Suzuki v. Yano, the rules are yet to be decided. Uh, Yo, Yoshihashi and Golo will challenge the House of Torture for the six-man belts, and then main event all culminating with Okada versus Naito. So you know, not a lot of key really on this New Year series right up until, you know, the final week or so. Aye, they're just firing in so much right at the end there and I'm going to just throw it out there right uh, right on the get-go. If Sonada does not win that US title, it is the biggest injustice since Ross McLeod won the the, the sweeps. <laughs> it's just not fair. It's just not... Any hints, any ideas you think on what uh, what the rules might be? For this uh, KOBW kind of match between night between Yano and uh, Suzuki, something tells me it's going to involve some sort of like knockout stipulation, like someone's actually going to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who knows? It could be 
could be. Uh, we've also, on the strong side, we've kind of got the new beginning USC teams that happened the other night. Uh, and also we've got, in late February, I think the 17th of February, uh, we have the next game, which is called Rivals. The weird kind of spray paint look here, like something everybody NXT 2.0. Uh, four matches for the rivals taping have been okay, confirmed. We've got Renarita v Buddy Matthews, We've got Jay White's US of J Open Challenge, Finjus v Big Bad, Big Dude Tito and Jonah, and Gabriel Kidd gets to take on Christopher Daniels. Mm. Oh, the, the Daniels match, that's that's got my interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think we won't be back until like late like February. Uh, to talk about these like big matches, so I think even just with those the three days, three or four days where there are like a lot, there is stuff worth talking about that can like pack a lot of stuff into that. And then obviously March is going to be busy because obviously as tradition, that is New Japan Cup months. Aye, that's that is going to be. I'm I'm just I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> there is actually there is actually some belt and things coming out of that. Yeah. This is, this is one of the more exciting periods of the, the year for New Japan. Should I mention also some announcements regarding shows coming up? Uh, they've announced that they're going to the USA, they're going to be at WrestleCon on April 1st in Dallas uh, to do a show. I'm assuming it'll be mostly New Japan Strong Time, but if they can get some of the you know guys that are usually in Japan, like some of the bigger names over, that'll be a hell of a show to check out. Aye, that is going to be absolute banging. Like, if you get a chance, go for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did. They did announce some shows uh, going on in uh, the first half of the year. Like they announced that, uh, that on the 9th of April there'd be a show. Uh, I think they didn't say if it would be Secure Genesis or not, but I'm assuming that's where the winner of the New Japan Cup fights the uh, gets their title shot. On the first of May, uh, wrestling Dontaku will be in the Pepe Dome, and looking at just the images they showed on. The announcement video that's a fair size arena. Uh, and the 12th of June, we're going to have Dominion uh, in Osaka Joe Hall, as there usually is. So, kind of got the first few the first few big shows of the year kind of lined up already. And like I said, New Japan Cup, uh, different fields than usual tournaments because it's all you know, single elimination. So, has that added a bit of attention of like who's going to go through? That, that's gonna be, that is going to be good fun. And I am excited. <laughs> give me it. Give me it now. <laughs> and, you know, hopefully we can, we'll be still excited when we come back to you in February and hopefully Evil will have maybe one or no belts, you know, and hopefully won't walk out holding three of the bastards because I don't, I just don't think I could live in a world where that happens. It's just too much. We just can't deal with a heartache. Years from now, people... Well, I atheists will argue about the existence there being not a god and say to you, if there's a god in this world, how could he allow evil to be booked so strongly? Why would God be so cruel? Now, why does Miro not ask his god that? That's it. That, that's when I look at this, I'm like for years I was like, the booking in New Japan is solid. It's invincible. Then Dick Togo came into it and I thought, there is no god. Dick Togo came in, ironically, like a kick to the dick and just ruined it all for everyone. Just like, hey, I'm Dick Togo. Welcome to Jackass Booking. (laughs) 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 You know who's not a jackass? The people who choose to listen to East Beats West and indeed everything we've got in the ESR back catalogue. 
on all good Android podcast sites, whether it be Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you choose to get your podcast. Usually like, rate, and review on your platform of choice. And make sure to follow us on the socials, Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retreat, at Suplex Retreat uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retreat Community on Facebook, you know, get involved in the conversation. Uh, keep up to date with shows like this, all future episodes, and take the back catalog on those Android podcasts, like I said, for past episodes of this Central Saturday Night Live and our future shows. We did a show uh, at the start of the year about the Mount Rushmore of New Japan Pro Wrestling. How many of the people... Uh, how many of the people that we mentioned here, like Okada or Tanahashi and people like that, Naito, how many of them do you think managed to get into the Mount Rushmore? You'll just have to find out if Alan Lucas tries and fails to regain control and we all shoot down the possibility of evil getting anywhere near, not even getting a sniff of consideration. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> Honestly, hell of a time, so it was. Uh, you can hear more Stephen Wilson's opinions about Okada. Uh, we've got all sorts of stuff in the, the back catalog and still a come, like, upcoming features of, like, like Roman Reigns. You've got a show currently in the back catalog about the Royal Rumble 1992, 30 years on. Future episode central, coming up to the Rumble, Sandra Live, you know, the season's ending and a new tag season is beginning. And that's always a hell of a time. So much to go forward, both in New Japan and in ESSR. And I thank Grant McRobbie for coming along with me. It's been a pleasure, as always. Uh, you know, a million things to cover again. <laughs> again. <laughs> anyway, thank you for braving through these million things that we've had to talk about today. Sorry about the length, can't be helped. But until next time, or hopefully some right decisions have been made coming out of this New Year Golden Series, uh, the end of February, we'll just say bye-bye. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown. Sports Social Podcast Network.